0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramiya Amazin, and this is Kelly and Ramiya. Just packed with tech conversations today on Kelly and Ramiya. Minus the uh, animal behavioral conversation we had with Dr. Danielle Jean kind of a bit earlier. But really uh, getting into artificial intelligence just before the break with Christine Malik on Curious Minds. And this was part three of her continuing to explore AI in the use of... um, image description and how far we can really take it, not just describing images, but then creating prose and poetry as well. We're going to continue on with Artificial Intelligence, but in a different context. Uh, and our guest now joining us is Dr. Yuda Treveranus. She's the director of OCAD University's Inclusive D- Design Research Center, and she's with us today to chat about an exciting announcement. She's recently been appointed as chair of the Standards Committee to develop a standard on accessible and equitable artificial intelligence systems for Accessibility Standards Canada and the Accessible Canada Act. That is a lot to take on. We want to know exactly what this mean means. Dr. Trevor Rennes, thank you for coming on, Kelly and Ramia.
1: Thank you. And um, it, it was fascinating to listen to the end of the last uh, segment that you had, it spoke to the extreme opportunities that exist potentially within Mm. AI, we can make it accessible and equitable. And um, so
0: that is part of what I'm attempting to do. Oh, fantastic. And I'm curious about the context around this. Uh, obviously, AI is one of the most rapidly changing technologies in our lifetimes. What are some of those accessibility and equity, equity uh, issues for large language models that you want to bring up in this little time that we have to spend with you?
1: Well, actually, I'm working on a phased approach where mm. we initially address uh, all of those pervasively deployed Uh, uses of AI that currently happen. There are AI is used to make hundreds of decisions that affect our life and that have a a huge influence on us. And if you have a disability, then um, there are a number of ways in which AI and those AI decisions can be quite harmful because AI is choosing for the majority. It's optimizing the successes Mm. for um, people who were successful in the past and it's not recognizing you if you are in any way anomalous or not like the average of the data set that has been trained on. So um, while we're also moving towards the, the generative AI or the large language models and things like chat GPT, the first thing we want to do is to address the um Pervasive deployment of AI in everything from who gets hired, who um, gets admitted into a college or a university, who gets mortgages, what your credit rating is, what type of advertisements are shown, um, what uh, the politicians will put on their platform, uh, who gets audited for tax Uh, purposes, et cetera. So that's the first stage. Mm -hmm. And then once we've addressed those fairly significant harms that people are not really as yet fully aware of, um, chat GPT and generative AI and large language models have caught the attention of everyone. But there are many other uh, instances or uses of AI that um, are to us, uh, people are not conscious of. they. There may be decisions made about you that you don't even know that an AI was helping to make those decisions. And if an AI is making a decision, it's uh, frequently not making exceptions for people that are not like the the average of that data set or not like the majority. Can
0: you maybe give an example of some of the tangible harms out there or incorrect decisions that AI could be making or that you've seen it make related to the disability community? And how are you addressing those critical issues?
1: Right. So um, one of the things that I've been doing over the past year or two is to look at harm and incident databases. We started to sound the alarm um, well uh, before. um, So back in 2013, 13 etc about this a specific type of harm which we call statistical discrimination mm-hmm the AI is using statistics to um, make decisions. Even the, the generative AI in large language models is just using statistics. It's saying, if uh, this is the, the word, then the most likely next word is going to be this word. Mm-hmm. And um, it, uh, there's modifiers to that. So if this is in the area of humor or whatever, then the most likely next word is this word. And So that statistical discrimination discriminates towards the majority and away from the minority or away from people who are not um, the majority within the data set it was trained in. So what are some of the harms? Um, There are the typical harms that you've probably heard of in the news, such as if you are unlike people who were employed within an organization before or within the organization that the system is trained on, then you will likely not be picked to get an interview. Um, and uh, the interpretation within say an assessment that is done for employment will likely rule you out Um, but there are watching the databases there it's spreading much further and unfortunately it's been an exercise and a bit of i told you so that these things would be emerging Mm. so parents with disabilities have been falsely flagged as unfit Um, There are many more false positive tax audits if you have an unusual tax filing, which most people with disabilities will have, um, false positive security flagging. So security flagging, whether it's at airport or or in other situations, because you're not like um, what the system is expecting, it will flag you for additional uh, security uh, screening. Um, You can... Um, biased credit and asset ratings, uh, being denied mortgages and loans, um, unfair, high insurance rates. Um, uh, the But there's also these things that many of the systems that are intended to protect everybody against AI bias, such as um, the risk assessments or the impact assessments that many governments are implementing, are also using statistical reasoning. So uh, if the incidents that occur to you because you are anomalous and because you have a disability um, turn up, they will be deemed to be anecdotal and um, too low an incident or too low a risk when balanced against the benefit to the majority. So I'm worried about both the initial implementation of AI, but also the protections that are being put in that are ignoring the risks to people with disabilities. Mm.
0: Yeah, and it's the kind of worry about Is it too late to pull back and where are we headed? Because obviously the growth is exponential in just any kind of use case for AI. So it worries me like these are the things to worry about, the ethics around it. Um, How do how do we plan on addressing these ethics? You know, is it teaching AI a different way, uh, a different way of calculating, a different way of analyzing, a different way of averaging out, like all these different examples that you gave? Or is it still a lot of human intervention on a case-by-case basis? Because I, I don't know if that's even possible anymore
1: right yeah <laughs> that's a really good question and if we ask to be excluded from the ai based decision are we going to get service that is equivalent just yeah. as timely um just as smooth you know uh, offered at the same time um so th- that is a-, a huge question but i think one of the hopeful things is that um in the uh, previous interview you were talking about personalizing mm. and the the unfortunate thing with ai at at the moment and statistical reasoning as it's used is that it is, um, Doing what is average, it is doing. It is following the tropes. It's following the patterns. And when it comes to discrimination, it's automating, amplifying, and accelerating the discrimination that's all already there. So the harm was there before AI amplified it. We've always had statistical reasoning in most of our decision systems, whether it's voting, whether it's majority rules, um, determination of, of uh, what will be happening or whether it's figuring out what is in fact uh, good evidence, uh, empirical evidence. It's usually based upon statistics. Can we statistically show that um, this particular thing is true for the majority? And so I I think it, it takes not just looking at AI, but it's also looking at how do we decide and how have we been deciding? And is that Um, what happens to people who are not the majority, who are outliers. And so um, one of the questions that was asked in the previous discussion was, can we personalize it? And mm. personalization means that the AI has to recognize that people are different and people have different priorities and different ways in which they wanna optimize their life. Um, the the really wonderful things that AI is currently doing, such as pattern recognition or be my eyes, um, that sort of thing is also actually Subject to this statistical discrimination. Because if you were to take that system and use it in a place where um, there are th- all the products have a different language on them, mm-hmm. or it's a very poor environment that has, or it's, it's an environment that has completely different products, different different street layouts, different ways of mark demarcating a bathroom, um, then it will not work because it's based upon uh what the average of what it is trained on and uh so uh for example we tried it out in a village in kenya and it recognized almost nothing um wow. so it's the the what that does, in terms of some of these systems, is it means that the people that need it the most are the people that, for whom it works the worst. And so, even with the miraculous, wonderful things that AI can do, um, it is still uh, it works best for the majority. It, it works best in um, situations that are average. And that are familiar, that are largely familiar um, with respect to the training set. Uh, so the there is hope here because AI, in and of itself, in order to be able to um, actually work for the diversity of experiences that we want from it, will have to do something other than use the um the bias towards the t- statistical mean or the statistical average and we've well, been I- experimenting with things like uh data exploration so rather than finding me the the um most uh the uh, person that is most likely to have have a success in the workplace according to the data from past successes explore with me and tell me um, find me some people that are somewhat that are different um, that bring other perspectives into the situation, etc. Sorry. I think I heard you start a new question. No, and... no, no. <laughs> and uh,
0: man, we need, we need to do a part two uh, because we're, we're almost out of time, but I guess that's what I'm really curious about. So, so you think there's hope like it's not, it's an opportunity as much as a, a crisis.
1: Yes, but it's going to take um, quite a, <laughs> um, it, it it's going to take a lot to change um the AI, to change the direction that the mm-hmm. AI is going, yeah. and potentially to change our habits as well. And that's why um, I've I've been working on this um e- Equitable and accessible AI standard, which will will be uh, going to committee and hopefully um, we we hope to to bring it out in a timely fashion and we are turning it into an international effort with international committee members so that it can be harmonized across various countries because of course AI knows no uh, national boundaries exactly. Um, and we're yeah, also exactly. Yeah. And we're going to have a um, a conference actually in Montreal at Concordia University on May 27th and 28th, where we're hoping to bring a large part of the, the disability community together to see uh, what are the things that we can do that would both um, uh, improve the benefits that we get from
0: AI, but also uh, re- reduce harms. And I really hope we can get you on before that conference because it sounds like such an important opportunity for people to take part. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been such a unique discussion on uh, everything as it stands with AI right now. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll talk to you soon. We were speaking with Dr. Yuta Trevarenis, and she was introducing us to the world of accessible and equitable AI, very unique discussion to go back and listen to from our podcast platforms. We have a second hour of Kelly and Ramia coming your way, collections and hobbies with AMI visual producer Bruce Baclarian, also talking about Milk. It's an award-winning documentary, an intimate look at the politics of infant feeding. But after the break, we're going to go back into the archives and check out a Balance for Blind Adults interview we conducted in September. We'll be back with that on Kelly and Ramya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
1: Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.